Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The Beyond Sleep Training Podcast, a podcast dedicated to sharing real tales of how people have managed sleep in their family outside of sleep training culture. Because sleep looks different with a baby in the house. And because every family is different, there is no one-size-fits-all approach to take. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is being recorded, the Kalkadoon people. I pay my respects to the elders of this nation and the many other nations our guests reside in from the past, present and emerging. We honour Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and the unique cultural and spiritual relationships to the land, water and seas, as well as their rich contributions to society, including the birthing and nurturing of children. Welcome back to the Beyond Sleep Training Podcast. I'm your host, Carly Grubb, and with me today is the wonderful Rebecca Seafi. Rebecca runs the Growing Gently Psychology practice that's based in the Blue Mountains in New South Wales. But I became familiar with Rebecca's work through her online spaces. She's got a fabulous Instagram and also Facebook feed um, that really, really settles the heart and mind of parents who are going through the process of parenting their babies and young children gently and also looking after themselves. So I really appreciate having Rebecca's voice in that space. She is an Australian psychologist and she has got years upon years of experience of working with families before she actually welcomed her babies herself. And it has actually really impacted on your passion in the area, having your own babies, hasn't it, Rebecca? Definitely, it totally, like I always worked with children, but it's kind of changed my direction and shifted my focus a lot. So definitely revolutionised my work. 
I love that. And it's something that when it comes to motherhood and welcoming our babies, sometimes it can feel like it, it takes a lot away from our previous life, but it also enriches it in so many ways as well. So it's beautiful to hear about how it's actually had an impact on your practice um, because it's quite a profound shift that we often find ourselves in when we become a parent. So it's beautiful. Now, just for people watching in our podcast supporter group, you'll be able to see the video recording of this episode and you'll probably see that Rebecca's got a little jiggle going on and that's because she's got a precious tiny person just out of view here. How old's your babe, Rebecca? Um, she'll be nine weeks tomorrow. So we're doing a bit of multitasking, so we'll see how we go. Very um, impressive and congratulations on your new person. And um, for anyone who's hearing those gorgeous newborn grunts and squeaks, I'm sure it's making you as clucky as it is me as well. It's so very sweet. So thank you for multitasking and still coming on today. It's such a great thing, actually. I think this time around I feel more empowered to keep my babies close rather than try to ship them off to elsewhere where I work. So I'm just grateful, though, that the experiences, the work experiences that I find myself in, are, I'm able to do that as well it's fantastic because it does also show like the the things that we can do um while we're also still keeping our babies close like you said because sometimes it can seem like such a a tricky concept to wrap your head around like how could that even possibly be and yet we are seeing it in action before us today so thank you for being that model that other families also need to see now we'll dive into your sleep story now I'm really curious I always ask our guests how did you think you were going to handle sleep with your family before you welcomed your first baby I'll be honest I didn't think too much about it <laughs> so I think just generally when I thought of um parenting so when I was pregnant in particular I was quite anxious about the birth um but I thought that I would have the parenting side pretty much down pat I think that's because I had worked with lots of children across the age span um in a variety of settings like um, counseling in groups um in childcare, and so I was pretty confident in my abilities but I think what I underestimated um, firstly is the role that temperament plays in um, and the um, kind of the nature side of the nature nurture influence so that was a big thing that I only really learned when I got my little babe I realized that I wasn't in, as in control of things as I was thinking I would be um, and then the other side of it was the noise becomes a lot um, louder when you're a parent. It's a lot easier when you're a professional to drown out the noise of others. Well, that's what I found anyway. Um, and your confidence is um, often higher because, you know, you've had the, the training and you're in a position of let's, I'll just call it as it is, it's power. Even though, I, like, I've always tried to have um, very collaborative relationships with my clients, you know, I am coming in as um, someone with experience. But when it's your own, that kind of all falls away and you realise that it's just you and you're totally human and you kind of never have to navigate things yourself and everyone around you um, does have an opinion and they're not always bad 
but that can be really hard to navigate as well. Absolutely. So, and that, that next level vulnerability that you have in your postpartum and also just being a parent yourself is so very different to the distance you can hold as a professional. Yeah, definitely. And you've got these children that um, you've got this emotional attachment to as well. So you can get really emotional when things, uh, when they are and when things are changing, which you don't, like you have empathy towards the children you're encountering work and you can feel quite emotional. But, yeah, there's that different type of separation that exists. Absolutely. Um, yeah, but I learned very quickly in um, my parenting journey that things weren't going to be what I kind of envisioned. Um, I think it, particularly with sleep. Um, I, after a, a, quite a difficult birth, um, when I first saw my daughter, her eyes were just open wide and she was just super alert. And I thought it was such a relief because, like, this was a side of life, right? But then as the days went on, she would still be awake at 4 a.m. We wouldn't have slept or settled for hours and hours, like maybe eight hours of just rocking and trying to put her in the crib and picking her up again and then putting her down, putting her up. And I was like, okay, <laughs> this is, this is, okay, she's not going in the crib. Something's not working here. Um, and I think I persisted with that for quite a long time before I found um, my groove and I think it was quite early in our journey that um, I started to see that the outside noise was uh, really affecting how I wanted to parent. Because I think I had um, lots of knowledge about uh, the biology of sleep and the importance of attachment in parenting and I'd worked with lots of children particularly in the um, toddler years and up around emotional development and what I um, how I practiced and what I knew in that kind of space the children like children how we respond to children was really different to um, what the norm was with babies and I became um, quite confused because I knew how I did want to parent and that was I really wanted to be responsive and I um, wanted to um, have a secure attachment. Uh, so I knew the goals, um, but what was missing was how to get there. And so with um, my little one, which I would say she's definitely what you call Carly a little sparkler, and I think that really validated me when I heard the term little sparkler because I'm like, oh, there's more of these children around. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? You feel so isolated when you have a little sparkler because they really are quite something else. And unless you've had one, it's um, yeah. you can feel very isolated. Not many people can relate. Yeah, definitely. And I think that there is an element that unless you've gone through it, you don't really know what it's like. Like I remember thinking, Parents had told me that their little ones weren't sleeping, but as much as I was like, wow, that must be really hard, you do not understand the degree of sleep deprivation and how powerless you feel until you've gone through it. So that's um, something that I definitely bring to my role now 
as a psychologist, I definitely understand it a lot more. On an um, intimate level. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, we, so, we, so you were saying that. So initially you were having to rock her off to sleep and pop her down in her crib. Was Did you have it in your mind that you needed to put her down? Was that the only, like, was that your version of this is how it's done? Yes, definitely. Because I think that even though I was wanting to be responsive, there was definitely that um, chatter and that noise coming from a variety of places, not just, you know, the one person or the one book I read um, about how, yeah, you don't want to spoil your baby, you want to put them down because you create a rod fearing back. and even though I didn't want to leave her cry, and I ne- and I tried never to do that, that was a thing that I had to put her down. And then it was very confusing because I put her down and she would just scream. It wasn't just a little um, grunting or um, discomfort. It was zero to a hundred with just putting her down. And so all those, all that noise about putting them down, drowsy, but all. Wait, drowsy but awake. Yeah, I was just like, this is impossible. I was like, do people, do babies actually, yeah, calm themselves down um, when they're a hundred? And I know, I know that they don't. It takes a lot, Um, but at the time, especially with sleep deprivation, it's hard to make those decisions and think that through. That's it. It's it's hard to keep it in context. And I think too, the other thing people listening along would either relate to or need to have it put in context for them is it sounds like there was a huge amount of effort in getting your baby to sleep in the first place only to place them down and have them wake back up again. That is a part of the fatigue cycle you find yourself in while you're fighting against that biology of your baby to be close to you. Uh, and I think it feeds the beast, doesn't it? It's like, of course, this is a problem for you because how on earth could you possibly maintain that kind of cycle in the longer term? So do you think yeah. that played into your anxiety around that? Definitely. I think there's a sense of helplessness that comes as a parent when you kind of put everything you have into settling your baby only for them to then become unsettled because of something you did, such as putting them in the, putting them down. And I think that when um, sleep training gets held around, it's kind of considered a tool for parental mental health. So um, often there's criticism towards anyone that doesn't advocate for sleep training because it's like, well, what about parents' mental health? You know, we want children to sleep because that's good for parents' mental health. Um but in fact, it can actually feel terrible as a parent. And I am talking from my own experience, but also through talking um, with other parents as well. The um, When you are trying to get them down and get them to settle themselves, it can become really helpless, like we mentioned, isolating, like we mentioned. Um, and, yeah, that's... Not a good way to start parenthood. But also, I don't, it's like, I, uh, for me, I can speak from my perspective, it was like a constant reminder of me failing 
and yeah. not being able to live up to this standard and being mentally unwell, I was depressed. Um, it was almost like I couldn't even get that part of my recovery right. Like how was I going to get well if I couldn't even get this bit right? Mm. And so it fed the beast in ways that I don't think, like you say, I don't think it's always acknowledged in conversations around how sleep training is supposedly saving so many parents from mental health struggles. It's actually creating a lot of those mental health struggles too. Um, and, and we can't silence that part of the story because there's more to it, like we're discussing today. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so I'm curious then. So you are in the depths of it all. You've got this really sparkly little baby, won't be put down. What happened next? So I did try different things. Um, I knew that it's re- well, it's really hard to get yourself out of those cycles. Um yeah, when you're sleep deprived and very like emotional and feeling quite helpless. So I did try and seek out extra help. And that's where I really realized how ingrained sleep training culture is. And I'll say that I wasn't even aware of, you know, when I thought of sleep training in my journey, I thought of the cry out method, which is definitely what I didn't want to do. Um, but I didn't realize how, um, uh, like maybe sleep consultants disguised themselves um and yeah so I did seek out a sleep consultant and I said up front I do not want to let my baby cry I want it to be a responsive um I want to respond to her needs and she agreed that she wasn't going to um do that and she had other options so um I, I do hesitate when I'm telling this story because I do think that this sleep consultant was doing what she thought was best. I don't think she was intentionally causing harm. Um, but when I spoke to her, she pretty much, upon meeting me, gave me um, information and a schedule that would suit my baby without asking me anything about my baby, which I thought that was a big red flag for me especially because, you know, things were playing on my mind. You know, we've had this um, kind of distressing birth. Um, surely that had something to do with it. Um, surely her temperament has something to do with it. Surely my my um, temperament has something to do with it. Um, and, yeah, so we got this schedule. Um, when I started implementing it, I quickly <laughs> realised that, this was a lot harder than she'd let on. And I and I think one of the big things was um, I felt trapped to these awake windows um, where I was like, how do I even do my grocery shopping within a two-hour wake period and be home to put her in the cot that I know she wasn't going to go down to? Um, so, again, very isolating to have to stay at home to just put baby to sleep. Um, wake up, feed her, put her back down to sleep within two hours. Um, anyway, my baby did not respond well to that schedule and the settling techniques that were suggested. And I remember one day she was screaming because she'd become so dialed up at the whole process that even when I was holding her, she was um, very upset and it was hard to dial her down. Um and that's when the sleep consultant told me just to let her cry. And at first I was like, well, that doesn't make sense. You told me, you promised me you wouldn't. Um, 
anyway, I put her down. And obviously she was screaming. And then I started bawling my eyes out um, because it's so distressing. I picked her up and I never looked back since. I just held her because I realised that that's what she was wanting. And we then just followed, I just followed her lead and we worked out a flow that worked for us. So she really liked, um, well, she was awake all the time pretty much. Um, And so I found it a lot easier to wake up and get out and about, go on walks, go to the park. Um, If we're at home, she'll be with me doing the, you know, washing or um, other chores, helping me as a baby watching me, but then became kind of sitting up with me while I was cooking. We sang songs and we just enjoyed the day. And that's when it came a lot easier. Um, And that's when, around that time, that's when I also found the Beyond Sleep Training Project. And I was like, oh, hey, there's like this whole whole other group of people that um, also don't want to sleep train and also want to respect the needs of their children. And that was really comforting. So I think that's what I needed at that point to realise that I wasn't doing the wrong thing from her by her and that I wasn't alone and that there was other people. I think that's really powerful because it's one thing to come to that decision for yourself because I know with my first one I came to that decision, it brings you a certain level of relief. But for me, I was still very covert in what I was doing because I was almost ashamed of the fact that I was doing it this way. Like I, you know, I hadn't dealt with the fact that I couldn't do it how everyone else did it. And so I was lonely. And so for that part of the, I guess, part of your well-being to know that you really are not alone, you're in very good company with many other families who are doing sleep with their family this way is actually, um, it's really great for your confidence and great for your soul uh, because we're social creatures. We like to know that we can relate to other people and connect to other people through experience. So there's a lot of power in that. And I'm glad that we were able to offer that for you. Now, I just wanted to touch on, because I feel like for people listening, it's a really powerful shift um, for a lot of families. And that is the idea of being able to get things done while your baby's awake and not just waiting for those magical times when you can put your baby down and leave them to get your jobs done. Was that a, 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 profound shift for you how did you find that um for me kind of was quite natural and I am a very I'm a big reader and so I did look into um the Montessori uh approach to education where it's like including a children daily tasks so that I can learn to become independent in them and um I also have a daughter that I will acknowledge her temperament led to that she was really keen to learn and she um, took to it really well. So it's a bit about, you know, following her lead and kind of doing what I had to do to get stuff done as well. Um, but then also feeling validated that this was beneficial to her because she was indirectly learning as well. And it was always on her terms, you know, if she was upset or didn't want to, um, you know, sit up near me at the kitchen bench to while I'm cooking, then I would definitely follow her lead there was lots of times where we were eating dinner at eight o'clock at night because I hadn't got to it but even giving her that opportunity I had the um my mindset is you give them 
choices and opportunities and then they kind of tell you what to do. So it was kind of like, you know, would you like to um, sit on the lounge all day or being held or would you like to maybe sit up with me or me to wear you while we're cooking? You know, she would quickly tell me what she wanted to do. But I found that a lot of the times she was being like a um, low sleep need babe. She was actually wanting that kind of um, stimulation. So um, she actually was settling more when we were doing things rather than when we were just sitting in the lounge. And I think that's another trap that's easy to fall into. You know, you don't want to sleep train. Yeah, 100%. Um, but that doesn't mean you need to sit on the lounge all day and hold your unsettled baby, which, again, I definitely fell into that trap in the early days, just watching Netflix and, you know, there's a time for that and that and it can be good. But when it's not serving your mental health or um, the functioning of your entire household, then it's freeing to know that you can get up and continue on with your day. And, and babies have been and babies have been moving to the rhythm of family life around the world forever. Like it's actually mm. the way we're biologically programmed to to be as a baby and as a parent. Um, and so I heard you mention too that like wearing your baby. I think for a lot of families, figuring out how to be able to do that baby wearing as a tool can be a fantastic way to get out. And I know for my very sparkly first guy. It was absolutely a game changer for me to realize that some of his yawning and whinging and, you know, that kind of unsettledness for him was boredom. It wasn't tired signs because I'd bought so much into sleep training culture. I assumed that I was missing all these, you know, these tired signs, but he wasn't tired for sleep. He was tired for stimulation. He was bored out of his brains and I didn't need to do much to meet those stimulation needs. He just loved going outside. He loved playing with the grass. He touching the dog. You know, go out shopping in the carrier. He's you know bright eyed baby. Rarely slept, but you know he was quite happy on my chest in the carrier out and about. And it totally changed my mental space because I could finally get out and do stuff. So I'm really impressed to hear that was also part of your story. And I know that for in your practice, you've been a part of the Possums Neurodevelopmental Care Program. Can you explain yeah. a little bit about that? Yeah, so I actually found out about Possums um, via the Beyond Sleep Training Facebook group. Um, I had heard lots of um, people mention it, so I decided to check it out. I went on their website and I was, like, amazed <laughs> Because I was like, everything that I was intuitively doing, as well as um, the things that I knew about the biology of sleep, um, had been uh, researched and studied by um, Dr. Pamela Douglas and um, put into this um, the program of neuroprotective developmental care. So I was immediately won over. Um, and so then um, me being me, I didn't just leave it at that. I studied and studied and became accredited in that uh, and I think that was partly I mean by the time I got onto that the journey like my my first born was nearly two um and we we're still having like she was still waking hourly so we hadn't resolved some of this the sleep um issues that were happening but we were like we had found that group and I was managing a lot better um but I decided that I would study it not only for future children but also 
um, because I, by then I decided that maybe that was something I wanted to pursue because I found it so hard to find support, um, professional support when in my journey that aligned with my values. I thought this would be a great opportunity to become that person, particularly within my local area, that people could turn to um, to work together on their sleep journey. So that's when I became, that's when I started researching and um, studying that and it made it made a lot of sense to me like I mentioned getting out of the house so possums talk about the need for sensory sensory nourishment and how that can um help the babies dial down as um and it also um helps with um you know parental mental health as well so it was just really validating now, I'm just looking at our time. We're actually already coming up to our 30 minutes. And I just, I'm so glad you managed to bring up those elements of possums because we haven't actually had that in any of our previous episodes yet. And I'm going to make sure that we've got all the links to the work that Dr. Pam has done in possums in our show notes for today. But I'm just wondering, just to finish off the episode, is there a tip that you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, yeah, so I think that just in regards to the, the Beyond Sleep training um, group, I think that being part of that group is extremely influential because I think a lot when you have in your mind your values, um, I talk a lot about it's hard to then kind of stick to them when you've got all this background noise. So surrounding yourself in, with people that do share those similar values, I think it's really important. And so my tip would be to seek out other people that share your values and spend time around them because what other people say and um, the messages you hear from others, whether it's from TV shows, whether it's from podcasts, whether it's on social media, whether it's from family and friends, whether you are intentionally doing it or not, they be, they get internalised and become easily become your thoughts and so they might not be thoughts that you um, own and um, believe in but nevertheless they're there so surrounding yourself with similar people not to say that you need to give everyone else that has different views on you the cold shoulder but making sure that you do have some of those positive influences um, alongside you in the journey is very important I love that. I think thank you for mentioning the group for us too because it does it's everything we'd hoped we could do for families because it was something that I felt like was really lacking in my own experience and so being able to have in the absence of real life villages for many people we try to create that online space for people to soundboard office vent when they need to and um, get the support they need to rally through because sometimes you just need a safe space to let it all out and be reassured that you're actually doing an amazing job. And I can safely say, Rebecca, you have done an outstanding multitasking job there and your little sidekick is a champion. She seems like a very happy baby and I'm so glad that you came on today with us even though you're only nine weeks postpartum. Well done, you. Thank you. I'll say for all those mums out there that are thinking, oh, my gosh, there's no way that I could be doing this. Um, yeah, there's no way I could have been doing this nine months postpartum with my first little sparkler. This is a very different baby and I think that it's really taught me temperament does have so much to do with it. So, yeah, Absolutely. she makes it easy for me. 
there you go. And I actually love that context because there's two people in this little party you've got going on there and, and she's playing a part, but that's only due to the temperament that she has. And it's also okay to accept if you've got a baby who could not be doing that because I was similar actually I remember looking at people with my first baby and they'd be returning to work I'm like how how could you physically do that because it really wasn't on the cards for my guy but it really is for other people with their different temperamented babies so it's a really great way to just make sure that people listening along aren't feeling like that's a layer of pressure to add to themselves you do not need to be multitasking at nine weeks postpartum but hey if it's, if it's something you'd like to do and your babe's going to be all right with it, look at Rebecca go. So thank you so much. Now, Rebecca, before we finish, where can we find you so that we're sure to drop all those links for people to look up your work? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram and Facebook at Growing Gently Psychology. Beautiful. And we absolutely love your work. And so we'll be sure to have all of those for you in there. And I just want to say once more, thank you so much. And thanks to Babe for being such a champion while we got to hear your story today. Thanks so much for having me, Carly. Love to be part of this great work that you're doing. Thank you. I really hope you enjoyed the podcast today. The information we discussed was just that, information only. It is not specific advice. If you take any action following something you've heard from our show today, it is important to make sure you get professional advice about your unique situation before you proceed, whether that advice be legal, financial, accounting, medical, or any other advice. Please reach out to me if you do have any questions or if there's a topic you'd really like us to be covering. And if you know somebody who'd really benefit from listening to our podcast, please be sure to pass our name along. Also check out our free peer support group, the Beyond Sleep Training Project and our wonderful website, www.littlesparklers.org. If you'd like even more from the show, you can join us as a patron on Patreon and you can find a link for that in our show notes. If listening is not really your jam, we also make sure we put full episode transcripts on our Little Sparklers website for you to also enjoy and fully captioned YouTube videos as well on our Little Sparklers channel. So thanks again for listening today. We really enjoy bringing this podcast to you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 